It's a wonderful way to prepare to preach. <laughs> you never quite know what you're going to get at Church of the Palms. So, as a segue from that to my uh, reading the lessons today, I just want to call out as well the uh, brochure that is in your uh, your bulletin this morning, which is uh, that lists for you all the many ways by which you may be thinking instruments primarily through which you might think about in terms of your year-end giving and particular to how you might uh, give the Church of the Palms. On page 9, you'll see the remaining balance that we have in terms of our giving for this year. So we're hoping that uh, we finish strong and we hope that you will help us to do so through your generosity. We have about 465 thousand dollars to go and uh, so we hope that you'll be able to keep that within your focus as you perhaps think about the windfall and gratitude uh, of your life. We're looking ahead also to our Open Palms campaign coming to a close in the March in March of 2019. That may be also another way by which you can support us as we go toward our year end and as we uh, try to achieve uh, a, a close to that campaign in the end of the first quarter of this coming year. Uh, we have uh, had the benefit of not having to go to our line of credit for uh, the construction of the Palm Center, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. We've had to borrow from ourselves in order to do that, which is wonderful because we have those resources, and we hope to, in the end of, by the end of next year, to complete uh, paying ourselves back so that we can be, again, flush and uh, strong for the years to come. So keep all that in mind as we uh, look ahead toward the end of this year and uh, the year to come. So we are uh, beginning a series, I'll Be Home for Christmas, uh, this Advent season, and we'll be making our way through the month of December reflecting upon uh, home and Christmas and how those two things come together, intersect, and uh, what we might be keeping in mind in terms of how Jesus comes into our home during this Advent season. And so to that end, we have two lessons of scripture that come to us from the New Testament today, the first from the Gospel according to John and the second from the Gospel according to Luke. Hear this word from God from chapter 1 of John's Gospel beginning at the 14th verse. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this was the one of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. And then from the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it, and a man was there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. 
And all who sat saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to the guest to be guest of one who was a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. So it's after Thanksgiving, and likely you have begun to receive Christmas cards from those people whose spiritual gift is organization. (laughs) One of my great Advent challenges is not to hate these people. Accompanying many of the cards we receive this year will be a family Christmas letter that will update us on the past year of the family's life. I enjoy these letters, actually. It gives me a chance to catch up on friends far away. Amanda and I send out one ourselves, actually. But I've noticed that in our family Christmas letters, we tend to put, shall we say, our best foot forward. Seldom do we hear anything really bad that's happened in a family's life over the past year. To the contrary, families tend to go a bit overboard in trying to help you think how they have it all together. For example, dear friends, we bring you holiday greetings from the Lawson family. Hard to believe that another year has gone by. It has been an active one for ours. Rebecca, age 10, having skipped six grades last year, is now preparing to send in her applications to the finest colleges in the land. She is a child prodigy, captain of the soccer team and softball team. She just missed the Olympic trials. (laughs) Only the best children in town are her friends, and she brushes her teeth every day. Billy, age seven, is just a joy. He washes and folds the laundry every day, has never, ever been caught asking for something without saying please. He loves the little nuclear laboratory that Tom built for him last year and was slightly disappointed when he was not awarded the Nobel Prize for physics. The new online company he started last year has recently gone public. Tom, aside from building nuclear laboratories for Billy, loves his new job as president of the world's largest company. He has managed to get his golf game into shape and counts as one of the highlights of the year, the several lessons he gave to Jordan Spieth. Tom feels he needs to cut back a little bit on his exercise after having completed his 17th marathon in the last two years. Being mayor of the town has managed not to cut into the five hours of quality time he spends with our kids every day. And finally, Patty tries her best to keep up with the rest of the family. Upon her return from her 17-city book tour, she learned that her prize-winning Rose Garden will be featured on the cover of Better Homes and Gardens. Her architectural degree has come in handy for the design of the new wing to our house. Rebuilding the car engine was something she didn't expect she'd love so much. (laughs) Rebecca's Girl Scout troop, of which Patty is the leader, sold the most Girl Scout cookies ever in the history of Girl Scouts. Wish we could tell you in detail about our trips to Europe and the Galapagos Islands, as well as our family visit to the White House. (laughs) We hope you have a Merry Christmas, and let us never forget the reason for the season. (laughs) 
Now, it may be letters like this, along with advertisements on TV for Hallmark, for Hallmark and Ostis Pumanti, that have their way of creating for us a picture of the way our families are supposed to be, especially at the holidays. Everybody donning a smile and a sweater, surrounded by perfectly wrapped presents amidst a perfectly cleaned house, sprinkled with perfectly behaved children. The way things are supposed to look after the Christmas magic Christmas maid arrives. You know, the magic Christmas maid, the one who's supposed to come and tidy up the house and tidy up all those messes that every family and home has. The siblings that aren't talking to each other, the uncle who drinks too much, the child who's struggling in school, the son-in-law who can't stop talking his brand of politics. But seldom, if ever, does such a magic maid arrive. Despite our best attempts, home continues to be what home continues to be. Reminds me of the story some of you have heard me tell about the time when I was 10 or 11 and had noticed underneath our Christmas tree a five-pound bag of birdseed. Someone had given my father as a white elephant gift a five-pound bag of birdseed. Well, we didn't have a bird, but my buddy Richard Norris had a bird, so I picked up the bag of birdseed, found my mother, and asked her if I could take the birdseed over to my buddy Richard so that they could use it for their bird. She said that was a very nice thought. Sure, I could. Now, my mother had just finished cleaning the house for the imminent arrival of her in-laws. So excited was I that I could take this bird seat to my friend's house that I began to swing this plastic bag around and around. I was standing in the hall next to about five different rooms. Well, we know what happened. The bag broke, and I became a human birdseed spreader in the middle of the hallway. I did this right in front of my mother, my mother who had just finished cleaning the house, my mother who had expected the arrival of her in-laws, my mother who took great pride in a spotless home. I never before had seen the look that I was seeing on her face. I never before heard the tone in her voice that I was now hearing. My life began to flash in front of my eyes. She pointed me to the old Electrolux, that's a vacuum cleaner for some of you, and told me that every last piece of bird seed was not picked up from those five rooms into which I had managed to spread it, I might wish for the wrath of God over the wrath that was in store for me from her. <laughs> home is what home is, and seldom does the magic maid arrive when we need her to. It makes me think of our friend Zacchaeus, Many of us already know the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man who climbs a sycamore tree in part because of his slight stature, but perhaps also because nobody really wanted to be near him. He was the town pariah, the tax collector who made it his business to collect oppressive Roman taxes from oppressed Jew Jewish friends, lining his pockets all along the way. So Jesus passes by and sees Zacchaeus up in a tree and says, come down, Zacchaeus, because I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to your house today. Before you have time to call the maid, before you have time to put things away, before you have time to clean up the bird seed of your life, I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to see how things are going in the Zacchaeus home today. Now, when you metaphorically have bird seeds scattered around your home, that may not feel like good news. Quick, grab the vacuum cleaner. 
But here's the thing. With every visit Jesus makes in the New Testament to someone's home, something gracious always happens. Jesus is always the gracious guest. When he visits the home of the self-righteous Pharisee, he ends up forgiving a woman that nobody's willing to forgive. When he visits the home of a sick child, he makes her well again. When he visits the home of Mary and Martha, he gently teaches the one sister and invites the other to let go of her burdens. And when he visits the home of Zacchaeus, Lord knows what he said, Zacchaeus has a change of heart and graciously gives most of his money away. When Jesus visits a home, something gracious always happens. I think that's the good news that John was trying to tell when he said that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dare we say it another way, the word became flesh and rang our doorbell. And these days, when the doorbell rings, panic strikes our heart, and the dirty dishes go into the oven, and clutter goes into the junk room, and brushes run through our hair, because we, who knows who it might be and what judgment they might be bringing. Maybe that's what we think when Jesus rings the doorbell. Oh, jeez, we can't let Jesus see this. Jesus, the home inspector. But when Jesus visits a home, Something gracious always seems to happen. Not always easy, but always gracious. When Jesus visits a home, strange things occur. People get forgiven. The lonely get comforted. Conflicts find peace. The hungry are fed. The sick get well. These things happen when we worry less about the maid and welcome more the Messiah. There's always something about Jesus sitting on the sofa of our homes that turns our attention toward grace, to accept that every home and family is a mix of blessings and curses, but Jesus is there to pour out grace like the waters of baptism. I think of all the homes that we were mentioning to you in this giving catalog that you'll get in the Advent booklet, all these homes and families that, like everybody else, oh, could certainly use a magic maid. The truth is, their needs are far beyond that. And like everybody else, most of all, what they need is a little grace, a little gesture of graciousness, a pair of goats, a family of chickens, a garden well a bag of Moringa tree seeds. Grace comes in all sorts of packages, but it is grace nonetheless. Strange, isn't it, this compulsion we feel to put our homes in order or to wish our homes in order for when Jesus rings the doorbell. Because the picture on that first Bethlehem night was of a group of shepherds and two scared teenagers, none of whom had a home. Shepherds out in the fields, Mary and Joseph huddled in a stable. And it's to these that Jesus comes. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. 
not because of what's right, but because of what's not right. To you is born this day, you in whom I will make my home, you who need a Messiah more than a maid. I'll be home, the Messiah says. I'll be home. I'll be at your home for Christmas. <laughs>